One Emotional Podcast, Conversations for Inspiration on the Go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, Mariel. How are you? Welcome to Luan Emotional Podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. Hi, Marian. I'm also glad to be here tonight and yeah, happy to speak to you and the audience. Amazing. So Mariel, uh, this amazing woman that I have in, in front of me, Mariel Rodriguez, she's a visual artist and cultural scientist. Her artistic practice is research-based and interdisciplinary. Driven by a theoretical approach, it addresses different aspects of the creation of cultural and national identities, social processes influenced by post-colonial relationships and the construction of historical narratives, combining different perspectives of the colonial thought, critical and gender studies with the aim of exploring connections between identity constructions and issues of representation with an intersectional perspective. Her work develops through various methods and strategies, which include historical and archival research, free association and documentary practices, which adopt their form through text, drawing, installation, participatory experiences, or curational projects. She has many current projects um, going around, which is you know, the field within, which explored self-ethnographic practices in art, as well as a participatory and research-based project by Basena in Vienna, in this a site-specific installation in a public space created as part of the project Cross Stories, experiences of exile in Mexico and Austria. So with all this rich background and everything that you've lived between Mexico and Austria and all your background in, in the university, uh, let's talk about the tensions between the visible and the invisible, the presence and the absence and voice against silence from the perspective of art and healing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, the, this is a topic that has interested me for a long time. I have been working, uh, as you already mentioned, Marion, um, as an artist, but also as a cultural scientist, as a scholar, for the past um, fifteen years. And like already during my bachelor's thesis, I was working a lot with the topic of the of the image and how images um, yeah, influence our world and how image creation is uh, a very important aspect also of the creation of the self. Mm. So, yeah, so this is one of the, as, as you say, like I, I'm interested in this tension between the visible, the invisible and the self, the creation of the self in this, in this interface. Mm, amazing. What has been the influence of images through history in human beings? For example, so like, is there any difference through the art perspective between what we get, what we physically see and, for example, what we dream or what we imagine? Um, yes. I mean, if we think about this topic of the power of images from a historical perspective, maybe the first more important moment that it's uh, relevant to talk about is like very, very early on in the history of Occidental image production, so to say, which would be in the Byzantine Empire, where there was like uh, it's called the iconoclastic debate. And this was like, a, there were like a group of people that were um, against the use of images in, for example, in temples or like uh, um, just uh, for, for religious um, ceremonies. The argument that uh, from these people was that images have such a big power and that images are so relevant that they shouldn't be used with this with these uh, aims because they would like uh, lead to propaganda. Mm -hmm. This is uh, of course the, the iconoclasts uh, fail and images like establish themselves. And as you know, and as the the public may know as well, Catholicism and uh, 
Christianism is based is an image based uh, cults or uh, like religions where image is very important and yeah so this would be like a first first debate no where like the power of images is already present in very very early on in the 8th and 9th centuries later on we have also like i mean it's very actual no the idea of what is real what is not real you see it in the internet there is always um yeah we have like we're producing more images and consuming more images than ever but we can also never like yeah set the 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 truthfulness or the untruthfulness of images no like uh, yeah i don't know from um photoshop to uh, like uh, image edition but also if you just cut one part i mean it can be very a very manipulative medium as well so those are like some of the of the lines of that, course yeah i wonder what these people might think of nowadays now with instagram <laughs> with pinterest with magazines right with all, the, with all the propaganda and also like so easy that you can manipulate or edit any image as you want like like these new you know face um face tune apps and many of these things it's it's crazy mm -hmm. because you know, the, the essence of the image is completely manipulated towards what, towards maybe aesthetic, you know, um, aesthetic values of a specific society or a specific culture. Right. And what can you say, for example, that comes of, um, we are visual beings, we're, we're visual creatures, right? What is the importance that we are seeing of the visuals of the images of the photography that we have around us and how that impacts us in our daily life. Do they have this power unconsciously? Mm, yes. Um, well, first of all, I would say I would uh, disagree a little bit uh, in the aspect that we are uh, visual beings. I think it, this is a cultural aspect. No? So like our culture, our cultures are oculocentric no so they are like really vis vision oriented and like focused on on visual uh, aspects but this is but this was never like that like always like that this is also like it's it has to do with the development also of like uh, occidental societies as we know them nowadays and because if we we think about it like there are the there were like before images uh, were so strong or like there were also like uh, more um, oral societies mm -hmm. or um, yeah like other 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 senses were also much more important now yes uh, i agree we have like now a, a vision centered uh, society and the um, but but yeah, this is also like important to think about like which type of images are actually being produced and for whom and who, how do we use them and how is actually this uh, focus on the visual, uh, why, how come is this, there is focus on the visual, what does this mean and why is it like, uh, what does it makes also for, for us, no, like uh, Totally. And what is, for example, the, the impact that you've seen of these um, images in the emotional healing? Because like any image that you can see, right, eventually it gives you this, um, this, it's kind of like if you communicate with that art piece, right? It's kind of like it, it's kind of inviting you to some reflection and it's evoking some emotions in you. Right. What do you see that is the power of images in emotional development and how we can use it to kind of like heal and advance in our society? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, there are like. Um, yeah, so uh, a first important thing would be to be able to develop a capacity to criticize the images that are being produced critically. Mm -hmm. So we have like a permanent flux of images which are actually 
um, yeah, fake truths or which are like uh, false or are really like propaganda wise or you know like there are uh, a lot of images which are produced with a very concrete um like goal of uh of i don't know from manipulation to i don't selling uh, something or constructing an image for example like if we talk about gender roles like of course like images play a super important mm-hmm. role how gender roles are constructed, which images are being fed to us uh, to support these uh, gender stereotypes. And so that would be the first thing, like to learn, learn to recognize how images are actually produced mm-hmm. and by whom and how do we consume, consume them, cons- <clears throat> sorry, consume them to become more critical about this. But then there is not. Then there is the other aspect about images and how we can use them actually for our own help and our own healing. And this is so because actually, yeah, that's why they are so 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 central to our cultural landscapes because they are very very important and they really uh, have the the ability to to change things. So uh, maybe also a nice thought about it is to, to think about how the, the root of the word image comes from imago, mm-hmm. which imago uh, in biology has been used uh, as a term to define the last moment in the metamorphosis of an insect. Mm. So an insect begins, I don't know, it's a little warm there, and then until it becomes a, a butterfly, the, the butterfly is the imago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is a very nice image because it is about how these uh, it, images have this like a process of transformation. No? And it's also imagination also comes from image. And from Imago, so imagination and the power to see this last image, like in the, the image of the, the metaphor of the butterfly, this power to see something which is still not there, which is still not true, but 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 has this, this uh, potentiality to become. Mm-hmm. And the ability to see this, it's actually how I understand this healing power or this healing uh, effects that images can have. So maybe uh, you have also heard, like uh, in I don't know. I think it's used in many different ways. There are um, in in yeah, like uh, in indigenous cultures, of course, you can think about like why images are not only like uh, some representations of uh, of of uh, something visual, but it's a representation of concepts. If we think uh, in Mexico, for instance, there is so much richness of images and like in textiles and how like a textile, and the images in the textiles are uh, talking about a uh, whole cosmovision, uh, and whole, uh, whole universes are created through the, the these images. So, yeah, so I think uh, this aspect of the of imagination and thinking and, and being able to project a final image of where it's going, of how how it is it that you want to move, like which direction. Mm-hmm. This is like how images can be used. Huh? Uh, and it's about this image representing the process that you've been right your, your process and maybe you know mm-hmm. using your imagination to reflect and to express that process right but if you use the analogy that you just used about um the worm and the butterfly right it's actually the whole process that the worm has been living right that eventually becomes a butterfly and then that's finally your image right but there has been this you know, intense process and this, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, dark night of the soul, and then maybe becoming this, you know, amazing, you know, new animal with new um, characteristics, with new abilities that the worm couldn't do before. And that's how it's represented in that image. And maybe we could use that metaphorically for ourselves as well, right? Maybe we can create, you know, an image, right? It could be in textiles, it could be in painting, it could be in drawing, it could be in any kind of art. And that image, you know, will represent uh, an internal process that we've been through, right? 
something that we are maybe, you know, um, pondering about and something that we've been, you know, living through and using that image also to express that, you know, to use it as that expression of emotional outlet. No, for example, you've seen the Egyptians, right? They, they used, you know, the power of images, you know, to express knowledge or to express information, right? Like in their in their in their buildings. And, and all, we've also seen it, you know, from prehistoric times, um, you know, from you know, people in the caves also representing, you know, information and processes through these images, you know, for knowledge to be passed on. Yes, yes, of course, there is like um, this aspect of uh, an image as an information or as a career of some information. And, but there is also this other aspect, which I think is important, which is um, the idea of the image as, um, as a projection. No, uh, as a, so it's still something which is not realized, but which has this potentiality and which has this, as you said, like this information to become and to go uh, like a, to mark a direction. And this is important uh, to think about like uh, how images work, because uh, in like... Um, in, in contracts, in contrast with text, the text tends to, to separate, no? to separate the, the units of information and to put them one after the other. But in an image, everything is happening at the same moment. In an image, like uh, the, the time is a time which is cyclical. It is like uh, all elements are working uh, together to create this uh, um, bit of information, so to say. And if we think about it like that, um, or if you if we want to like project something in our lives, it's also useful to think about like that in a way of the relationships, which type of relationships are needed to be done, like which links are needed to, you need to like connect, which dots you need to connect in order to see like the whole picture and not to have like this, this, um, you know, like um, sequentiality. So in an image, there is no sequen sequentiality. You have only one big thing, which is like uh, all connected to each other, which in the end is also how the world functions or how uh, the, the universe, no? It's like everything is connected. And sometimes we like lose the, the sight of the connections or we feel like... Uh, some things are separated or like there is this like um, divisions mm. but uh, actually i think also like that's the, the the power of images is to 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 find the to connect the dots to find the connections and to and to try to see the whole and to or to imagine also like a, a whole totally because most times you know we Think, we tend to think that things are not connected because we can't see those connections, we can't see those bridges, or we can't see those mm. you know, links between them. But at the end, not because we don't see them, it doesn't mean they don't exist, right? Because most of the times, you know, we know that we've all had these experiences where we've we've known, you know, kind of like in our own experience base that things are connected. Mm. And there's then we could be a counterintuitive in the sense that it's just because we don't see them that makes confusing but in the end with our intuition our intuition is telling us constantly that things are connected right we've all had this kind of experience that you're thinking of a person and then that person calls you right or you just saw a painting or an image and then that's something mm -hmm. that kind of like gets replicated i don't know maybe you playing with your kids or you playing with i don't know or talking to a friend right so this kind of like this um, multipotentiality that we have of, you know, building bridges around us and, build, and building this connective bridges of different, you know, essence or elements that maybe we cannot see. And art, I think it plays a crucial role in building all of these bridges or invisible bridges, right? Yes, exactly. I think that's a, a very important point to think also about what is missing. No, I think this is also a part of the of a process. I also I have um, 
engaged a lot with painting and it's uh, it's also uh, the process of painting is very much about also trying to find these connections now that they are not, still not there and they are like but you're like building them in the process but um yeah but you also had need to be patient and you also need to like uh, the the, the the painting talks to you and gives you back where where it's going and you just have like to respond on it and i also yeah so i like to think about this like the 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 process of painting also in terms of um the the construction of the self how this is also we are all also like uh, unfinished paintings or to, to sometimes you are a bit uh, like with a painting or with another process in life, you know, that you just want to see the whole thing at the end, but there is more, it's always more about the dialogue. And it's always like, also, I don't ever think like one painting is like finished, uh, like for good or something there. You need to put like a final point at some point, but, but it's always also, um, yeah, the possibility to continue no? and to, so so this openness so it has this this characteristic of being open but also like demanding also something you know, from from you mm. and we're always kind of like this work in progress right even even you know scientifically right many many scientists have said that um every seven years each of our cells in our body completely changed so it actually mm -hmm. means that every seven years we are a new a new person right maybe we have the same genetic information but we have we are this new person with these new cells so we have the ability to kind of like um reinvent and recreate ourselves you know many times because we're doing all of these amazing you know processes that we have inside and the power of images and how we are able to see them constantly. Um, the other day I saw this paper that said that uh, 20 years ago, we were stimulated every day by propaganda images. And back in the day, it was 200 images a day. And nowadays, the information, the amount of images that we receive, the information that we receive, it goes all the way up to 50,000 images because we scroll on our phone and it's like the WhatsApp information or the image or the meme or the Instagram or the wherever app, whichever app we choose. And we're constantly being bombarded with all of these propaganda with these images. And sometimes, you know, it's not art. If you open a magazine, you can see a lot of repression in like sometimes animals and sometimes, you know, between, you know, genders as well. Like the other day I opened this magazine and it was kind of like four guys kind of like on top and a woman, you know, lying on the ground selling a bikini, you know, and the guys were like on top, like, you know, we are here owners. <laughs> so that's all the communication that we are having constantly. How can we filter that information and do, can we become selective of that information of those images? Mm, yeah, I mean, that's what I was also uh, trying to point out uh, before in my comment that is, uh, yeah, I think it's difficult. It's a very difficult tax, task, but, but a very necessary one to really learn to become critical consumers of images because we cannot avoid to be totally surrounded by them, by them. but we also don't... Um, yeah, don't engage them critically because also sometimes it just happens like in one or two seconds, as you say, like you just have like a, you open one website and you are already <laughs> had like 10 images like uh, bombarding you. And so, so um, it is not easy, I think. It is, uh, it really requires, uh, um, yeah, like a conscious engagement. And I, but if I could say something about how this could be done, I would like point out a, a, a very important aspect is to think about the, um, the production, no? Mm -hmm. Like normally everything that we are consuming, the production tends to be erased. Uh, tend to become invisible, as we mentioned. And what remains is what is visible, but the whole process, the whole uh, intentions of the producer get erased. 
And so if we could like try to think or to recapitulate what is the intention be behind this image and how is it like normally also linked to consumer, yeah, like uh, consume or yeah, like capitalistic interests. And so, you know, like, uh, so the production would be very important to think about also uh, to think about uh, the mainstream like what are actually the the um, yeah like uh, whose images are being shown and who's not no? like uh, who has access to the to to the distribution also of images and who lacks this access mm -hmm. And because if we start to think about these things or these aspects, then it becomes more clear that there is all, uh, it is a, a matter of power and a matter of control. And if we think about how images have been used in an occidental context, then it, it also becomes very clear that the, the production has always lied on the side of the of the, I don't know, of the people with the means of production, of uh, white uh, upper class, of uh, men uh, producing women, uh, images of women, or like, uh, you know, so it, it is important to think about this. And it's also important to think about, um, um, there is this distinction between seeing and there in the in English is an important distinction between sight and gaze. Mm. So the gaze has always also this um, aspect of wanting to possess the other, of or of not really, um, yeah, of of using sight as a way or as a means of control. So this is uh, also uh, important to think. Also, when we watch, for example, cinema or TV or so, like how how is it uh, structured the the information? No? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And what are the possibilities that we can use and we can have with imagination and creativity towards images? Like, how can we maybe start creating more quality, some images that have more quality in our lives, images that have a, most, a more positive impact in our day-to-day? -day? Yes, I mean, there are, uh, of course, like, I think everybody produces images, like, uh, constantly, just uh, um, a a pin board of each adolescent <laughs> or something where you just mix some uh, cut out from a magazine or found here and there to create something new is already like a new way of uh, producing your images now and it's also so um i think this um yeah it's important this aspect of how who gets to produce the images and who gets to, to distribute them. And also for, for what, no? for which means. Because normally it's also, uh, then there's the question of representation. Who is represented and who, who represents whom and for what and what are like the means for it. And so matters of self-representation are very important. How do you want to, how do you see yourself? How do you see your community? How do you want to, like, uh, to, to speak about your community, about your, um, your history, your identity, your, um, yeah, also uh, the, the, the history of your family, the history of the nation. Like, normally these are, like, the huge narratives that come and are imposed on us, but we can also always take power to create our own narratives and our, our own images and, and try to, yeah, to not um, follow like any like mainstream. <laughs> of course, to be able to create those images and that reality that we're looking for, 
right? And maybe that's why also, you know, with the power of images, that's why, you know, for some people, it's been really useful to create these vision boards, right? Because it's this, you know, images that you've selected because an either ones that you have inside and you're constantly exposing yourself to it, you know, on a daily, on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, it, you are actually communicating with those images that they're actually reflecting and reminding you constantly, right? Every day that you see them, important things for you that's why actually you selected them no and tell us about your artistic practice how you use images mm-hmm. tell us yeah. about your work. yes so um i mean i i use i engage with the images in different ways so uh, recently i have been working more on paintings in a very um immediate way of doing painting and actually i in this in this type of image production that i'm engaging right now what my focus is also uh, about the relationship with materials mm-hmm. and how materials also have their own language and also in this way i can also like um or i i i try to to, to find uh, connections between the life of the materials with also uh, life in general, so to say. So what I what you have like in the end, I play with inks, with natural pigments, I do my own uh, watercolors. Mm. I am I'm working like with also with um, different, yeah, like pigments, natural pigments, but also with uh, tea and making colors out of, I don't know, different natural ingredients. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I, I work a lot with accident and what happens. I, I play with it. And then in the end, I paint some sort of landscapes and geographies and which could remind uh, somehow... Um, yeah, I, I'm also very interested in the interplay between the microcosmic and the macrocosmic. So with these land, landscapes in the end could be, uh, I don't know, a small image taken out from a microscope, mm. but it could also be like a photograph taken out from outer space, mm. so to say. So I am, this is what I am actually interested in posing these metaphors between the micro and the macro, the individual and the social bodies, no? How, and the body, the body is like in the center, it's also the, about, um, yeah, in regard to materiality and, you know, like fluids, it's, uh, I, I paint with a lot of water, it's very wet and with alcohol and I like mix and it all happens while it's still fresh, mm-hmm. the, the painting and I work with different layers and so, so it's really like a, a process of image construction through an engagement with materials and yeah, with, with matter and, and, and this, right? Yeah, and textures, how textures come out also uh, at the end, and also how materials react to each other. I use salt and different, like, chlor and, um, I don't know, just like different, uh, I'm experimenting sand, also coffee. Yeah. It's kind of like a creative playground, right? Of more or less kind of like trial and error and seeing what works and what mixes well with this or that, no? You mentioned something crucial that I love about art. You mentioned accidents. And there are many amazing artworks and many amazing artists that have reported that, you know, something that happened to the artwork, maybe they they spilled the water on their, you know, the piece that they were working on and then actually that created that accident created kind of like the most you know magical or important thing for that art piece right and i love that metaphor because it happens so often with art right sometimes maybe you're drawing and then you have something printed in the back and then it actually starts creating these new design and it's part of like how life happens sometimes we tend to think that you know accidents are bad or like accidents you know we should kind of 
of like do everything to prevent them, no? And accidents are part of our everyday life and accidents maybe are there to take us in a new direction. It might feel uncomfortable, of course, but maybe that direction actually is what is creating these new masterpieces that you're about to create. Tell us about your interaction and your experience with accidents. Yeah, um, well, as you say, I also see it. I see it, uh, the, the type of painting I'm doing right now as a very organic process. So in this sense, I also relate to this, like seeing the, the painting, the process of painting also as a as, as, as life. No? And then sometimes you can use the accident or you can like actually profit from it. And um yeah, and I could also uh, uh, think about another time in my work where I was not comfortable with it at all. <laughs> and where it was really like, no, I had one idea and it has to go like that. And, and it really like started to become very, very oppressive in a way, like not uh, allowing yourself to do accidents or, or to, to do mistakes no? uh, or, or to let things happen was really like uh, coming on the way and so and that's when i started to 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 yeah to do another type of work with other materials and to to think about painting also in other terms but also i think it's um i also think that images find you and there is also this idea that because other other parts of my work where I work with images, I also, uh, as I mentioned before, I am a, I'm a scholar in uh, gender studies and uh, post-colonial studies. I'm working on the on these fields, and um, and I work also with the uh, image. Uh, analysis and with images in the history of art, for example, and with finding um, or with images uh, coming from archives or from uh, like which which are used to actually to construct a narrative and then to to um, to make it appear as real or as uh, to to sustain an argument. So this is another um, use of images, which I also find very interesting and which also is connected to the idea of accident in the sense that sometimes you are trying to, yeah, then your argument can be also closed by an image that finds you mm -hmm. or by, by chance you can also come across one image that then tells you more about the, the history or like the, the topic you are working on um, as, a, as a text or as, a, as a, other types of totally. material, no, of documents, yeah. Many times what you're looking for is also looking for you, right? Yes, exactly. Which is, I love that it happens exactly the same way. <laughs> I love it. And tell us about your project, Feel Within. Tell us about what's the context behind it and what's happening there in the Feel Within. Yes, well, Feel Within is a very dearest uh, exhibition I did in 2019. And then um, I was working as a curator for this exhibition but the topic is relevant also in my in my artistic practice and also in my uh, research mm -hmm. but uh, yeah so the topic is um, this idea and which also is very connected to image production and who creates which image so we all know uh, this image of the ethnographer, no? this idea of the ethnographer, which is like a figure of the 19th century, where it's like uh, these uh, mostly men who, like European men or North American men who went to some faraway community to document what uh, they were doing to study faraway societies and discover how other others um, um, yeah, structure their lives and societies and so, and to explain it, but always also with having on the focus of attention or as a, as a, as a point of, of departure, um, a Western blick, a, a Western case mm -hmm. in the, um, 
and of course the main most important practice or method of the ethnographer is the uh, taking notes uh, the field notes Mm-hmm. So this is this is this game uh, I proposed in the title. So normally there is this method, the ethnographic method by excellence, which is the field note. And in the exhibition field within, it's about people, uh, artists who are um, contradicting or who are actually taking, commenting on this tradition of ethnography appropriating it also, but to come back to what I mentioned also before, to the idea of Mm self-representation, how this idea of uh, studying the other, of trying to explain how the other works, how the other um, thinks or leaps or so, is also a way of controlling the other or trying to... uh, yeah, it's a very limiting um, practice. But what happens What uh, in the artistic practices, what has been also like a very um, important practice no? in, the, for in the last years and in the, in the field of contemporary art is to take the, the methods of ethnography and, and of anthropology but to apply them for artistic purposes mm-hmm. and then to, in this sense, also to counteract them and to counteract their Eurocentric positions, so to say. So there was, um, yeah, it was a very nice project with artists based in Vienna, mm-hmm. but also um, there were artists from, uh, there was, um an artist from Venezuela, and there was also um, um, a workshop. We organized a workshop t- uh, together with the uh, Impulse Dance, which is a dance festival in in Vienna, which happens every year. And we they have they offered very different workshops, and we invited Guillermo Gomez Peña. Mm-hmm. A Mexican artist who is, has been working with topics of identity and uh, mostly also of Latino, of the Latino community in the U.S. And yeah, working through, to, through performance to empower the Latino community in the U.S. and to criticize also and to, um, to try to subvert all the stereotypes that... Uh, that operate in the US mm-hmm. against Latinos. And uh, so, yeah, it was a, they, he started um, this, but he founded later on a performance group called La Pocha Nostra, and they were offering a, a workshop in the, in the context of the exhibition. Mm-hmm. And that was also very, it's also very connected to, to, to our topic now with image production mm-hmm. because they have this developed this method for radical um, pedagogies they mm-hmm. call it uh, in which through this process of projecting and creating different images through performance and through uh, i don't know using different props and and so um, there is a, a, a process of empowerment and of uh, yeah, like uh, unleashing the creative process also. So it was, yeah, it was a very nice experience. Mm, I love it. What has been the project that you've um, been involved with that you've enjoyed the most, the context of what that project represents from the ones in your career? The, the context so which how the artistic project that you've been involved in your career has had the context and the ideology that you've loved the most mm-hmm. well um the um, i think this one is a very is a very important project for me the the exhibition field within exhibition 
but also a very dearest, yeah, one of my dearest projects is uh, Field Within. No, this is the one I mentioned. <laughs> no, is the the Flowers of Evil. Mm. So uh, this was also it's a long pro project I've been working on, which is um, which I also I continue to work on it, and this is um, it's about relationships of exploitation and yeah, like uh, establishment of colonial relationships through the domination of nature yeah. and how actually yeah like uh, through thinking the specific histories of plants of specific plants uh, you can also think about like social relationships and how they are actually um yeah, created through uh, capitalistic uh, relationships of exploitation. And so, so for the project, I was researching on different plants. One was the coca plant, mm -hmm. which of course has a very um, polemic history. Mm -hmm. uh, I was also researching on the um, caoutchouc rubber. Mm -hmm. uh, the rubber, which is also uh, has been also very exploited, like in the Putumayo, but also then uh, afterwards in the Congo uh, with Belgian colonialism. And um, there was also uh, this, this uh, plantation in Brazil, Fortlandia. Mm. Where Henry Ford tried to 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 get the whole rubber for his cars and for the wires, and so in through through the through a plantation in Brazil. So I was also doing research on that, and also on maize, mm -hmm. on corn, on um, what were the other plants I was researching? Um, bay hops. Mm -hmm. was also there and Ashiote, mm -hmm. which also which has been also it is a, a it's also interesting how the, the 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 red color of the Ashiote has been used as a as a sunscreen mm -hmm. by indigenous communities and how it also has like a healing properties effects properties mm -hmm. yes so it was about the different uh, stories of plants and i did like a personal artistic research project on that and then i also curated an exhibition on the topic and i did a publication and it's been a, a an ongoing project which is actually connected to the to the paintings i am doing right now which also deal with topics of nature and um, matter and mm, yeah. nice that's wonderful Marian. i love it that's amazing oh yeah well thank you so much for being here today thank you for sharing all your knowledge and before closing i would like to ask you a few questions it's just kind of like something easy to you know try to respond with one word mm -hmm. or or a few words the first thing that yeah. comes to mind that's what works but right? um what is art for you Freedom. Your favorite author? Um, that's a difficult one, but uh, right now I'm reading Sylvia Winter and I really, really, really like her. So I would say Sylvia Winter. Mm. And advice that changed your life? <laughs> um... I'm not, I don't know. Um, hmm. <laughs> An advice that changed my life. Um, or an advice that you would like to share. Yeah, um, yeah, like uh, talking about images, imagine the life you want and 
mm-hmm. and go get it. Go for it and go for it. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, a book that you recommend? Um, I really recommend Borderlands, La Frontera by Gloria Saldúa. The best quality in humans. The ability to change. Mm. What feeds your soul? Sun, the sun. The most pressing issue for humanity. Or one of the most pressing issues for humanity. The connections between racism and the exploitation of nature. If humans can agree on this, you will be very happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, life's a game. Mm. What would you like to scream to the whole world? Mm. Yeah, to love each other. And the last one, what is it that you have lived that no one could miss experiencing it? Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> hmm. that I can, but. Yeah, friendship. Friendship. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. I, I hope uh, other people have experienced also, but anyhow, I wish it for everybody. <laughs> yes, of course. It's like this nature of these bonds, no? These emotional strong bonds that we have, that we're able to develop, no? Yes. Amazing, Marielle. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your passion with Luan community. And thank you for sharing all of this knowledge. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Mario. Want to keep the conversation going? Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.